0: When we open the Bible, we find of course that the things that God deems important are not the things that human beings often deem important, or even some Christians think are important. For instance, if we were to contrast what God says about creation and then what He gives us in the teaching concerning the tabernacle, we should be called up short sure, because what is so tremendous to us, the physical universe around us, he dismisses in 34 verses. When he gives the teaching concerning the the tabernacle, it spreads out to 450 centiverses. So really we ought to say to ourselves, although creation is extremely interesting, we'd like to know more about it, evidently God thinks the teaching he's given concerning this tent, because that's all it is, is vastly more important to us to understand than exactly how this world and the planets and the stars around us came into being. And that is so, of course. But I say, you see, God's idea of what's important and ours may vary. I want to say a word about this tabernacle. There are three reasons, at least among others, that I think uh, we should be interested in it. Someone may say, well, why should I be especially interested in a tabernacle that's an Old Testament thing? And I have a calling that has very little to do with the Old Testament. I belong to the body of Christ. Well, there, there are at least three reasons why members of the body of Christ ought to know something about it. One is, first of all, because every detail of it speaks of the Lord. You know, Psalm 29 says concerning the temple that every week speaks of his children, and that was not only true of the temple, but it was certainly true of the wilderness tabernacle. And that is why Moses was given such minute instructions concerning it, and God warned him. And it that the Hebrews picked this up and told us that Moses was warned when he was 40 days in the month See that you set everything up according to the pattern that's been shown. There was not a single detail that God left for Moses to invent. God showed him the pattern, gave him all the measurements, not only of the building itself, the tent itself, but every vessel in it. And he was warned not to deviate. Well, why was God so particular? Why should a fraction of an inch, or a fraction of a cubit, make all that difference? Well, because every detail spoke of to You see, and... God couldn't even leave that to a great servant of his like Moses, because Moses knew nothing about the Lord except what was shown. So, first of all, we should be interested because it's giving us a revelation of the Lord Jesus. Secondly, because it gives us an insight into the purpose of the ages. Now that we are certainly interested in, because we know that wonderful phrase comes in the epistle to the Ephesians. How, How does it give us some insight into the curse of the ages. Well, because the the one idea of the tabernacle of this tent was, it was to be a dwelling place for God. And if we've got any idea of the plan in the large, that's exactly what God has been doing all the way through. And God is seeking to dwell with the creature that he's made. Some of us may have seen this quite clearly, but isn't it good to be reminded of it? And Until God gets his permanent home and says he hasn't got it here. He has been willing to accommodate himself to temporary homes. Now if you read the prophet Isaiah and come to the 40th chapter, you'll read there that God made his creation. He stretched it out as a tent, a tabernacle, to dwell in with it But the Bible doesn't say that God's permanent home. That's a temporary one for him. And then, at a set time in Israel's history, he says, "Make me a tent that I may dwell among them." That's not a permanent home either; it's also another temporary one. And you don't get to the end of that story until, of course, you come to the last book in the Bible, where now the tabernacle, the dwelling place of God, is with men. But you come to, you, you come to it very, very closely indeed in the prison ministry of the Apostle Paul. Because this church that he's building up, as we know so well, is to be a temple, a dwelling place for God. So you see, the tabernacle is giving you his picture <coughs> part of that tremendous purpose. God planning one day to have such close union with his creatures that there'll be nothing in between. To oh, that's going to be a grand time, isn't it? But of course, that can't be yet because of the great barrier that's not yet been removed. And that is sin. That's got to be wiped out before a holy and righteous God can have close contact with his creatures who become involved in it. And the third reason is because it tells us something about heaven. You see, it was a pattern of heavenly things. That's what the Epistle of the Hebrews tells us. So, as we know nothing about heaven at all, except what the Bible tells us, no one's ever been there, no one's ever come back. We don't know. But God says, I'll give you a picture of it, for what it's like. And those heavenly things, again, are very close to our calling as members of the body of Christ. You see, we ought to then have a, some knowledge of the tabernacle. So for those reasons, I think it would be good for us just to look at one or two points. I can only select one or two because it's a tremendous subject, and I've only two this with you i just mentioned, of course, that it's it's a tent. I think it's such a pity that in our English Bible we've got the word tabernacle at all. It's an old-fashioned, archaic word and means practically nothing. It's just the Hebrew word, tent. And that tells us it's not a settled dwelling, it's something that can be put up quickly and taken down quickly. And uh, as we know so well, God has told us, in effect, that he is not willing and doesn't want a permanent home until his people can have a permanent home. That's a glorious thought, isn't it? He told David that. He said, i walk with you in a tent and a tabernacle. All the time you were in tents in the wilderness, I didn't want a settled home. David wanted to give God a settled home. That's a splendid thing. I'm the Lord honoured it. But he said, no, I won't have them until the right time comes, until my people are home and in a position to have that long, last, permanent Dwelling really plus. So, think of it all the time as a tent. Make me a tent, God said, that I may dwell among them. Now, all its measurements are factors of five. See, every measurement is given in detail. We may say to ourselves, well, that's not terribly interesting whether it's 20 cubits long or 200 cubits long, but it's a fact that every measurement is divisible by five. And we know five is God's number that's tampered with grace in the Bible. So, he has a tremendous revelation from the God of all grace. What well, it is and must be to think that the great being that we call God ever wants to dwell with a, a letter created being like ourselves. Who are we that he wants to dwell with us? All the grace that's behind that. So you've got this factor then of five coming into it. If you just uh we just think for, for a moment of the outer court that was a hundred cubits long, and it was fifty cubits wide, and there were sixty pillars holding it up, and they were five cubits high, and they were spaced five cubits apart. And so God is kept stamping mm-hmm. this five or factors of five all the way through. How was the tabernacle, or at least? Where did they get the materials from? Well, that's the thing the high critics likes to try and ridicule. the idea that a, a nation of slaves could have erected such a tabernacle or a tent, as the Bible depicts that in rubbish utterly impossible. They were slaves. They were walking through the wilderness. Where did they get all the materials from? Not only that, but costly materials. Gold, silver. And friends, I don't know whether you realise that when you come to weigh everything up into modern terms, do you know there were tons of metal altogether? Silver and gold. Where did they get it all from? Well, the Bible makes that quite clear too. The critics are too clear. God prophetically had told Abraham that his seed was going to be held in bondage for 400 years. And he said, after that they shall come out with great substance you beforehand, he told them they were coming out with wealth, coming out with great substance. So, should we just open the book? <coughs> we ought to open the book at least once or twice, What between the chapel, and the open book, because that, won't be right, will it? Uh, <coughs> shall we turn to Exodus 25? <coughs> um... But first of all, I would like you to turn to 12, Exodus 12. Exodus 12, and verse 35 and 36. And the children of Israel did according to the word of Moses, and they borrowed of the Egyptians jewels of silver and jewels of gold and raiment, and the Lord gave gave the people (laughs) favour in the sight of the Egyptians, so that they lent to them such things as they required, and they spoiled the Egyptians. Now, that sounds as though they only borrowed it. You know, a convenient way of getting hold of it, and they never let them have it back. Well, that isn't the the truth. For the Hebrew word, when it says they borrowed, it means to ask. They asked. They didn't ask them to lend them anything. They asked them to begin them. And the Egyptians were inclined by God's working to give it to them. And they actually gave it to them willingly. All the materials for the tabernacle were given by the Egyptians when the people of Israel left that country, Egypt. Already, great substance they came out with. So, all the materials they had to their hand. Then I would like you to see the stress in the book of Exodus on the fact that God didn't compel anybody do anything in connection with the tabernacle. It had to be, of course, put up by Moses and those helping him, and uh, anybody could have said, well, I'm not interested. Would God have judged them for our doing? Well, let's, let's see that, shall we? Chapter 25, the chapter I mentioned a moment ago. Chapter 25, verse 1 and 2. The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, they bring thee an offering of every man that giveth it willingly. That's the point. God said, I'm not going to force anybody to do this. This is a willing offering. Chapter 35. Chapter 35. And verse 21. And they came, everyone whose heart stirred him up, everyone whom the Spirit made willing. And they brought the Lord's offering to the work of the tabernacle of the congregation for all his service and for all the holy garments. So you see, this was a willing offering for the Lord. They didn't need compelling. They came in fact so much so that if you look at the next chapter they had to be restrained from bringing. They brought so much. Verse 4, chapter 36 And all the wise men that wrought all the work of the sanctuary, came every man from his work which he made, and they spake unto Moses moment to say the people bring much more than enough for the service of the work which the law commanded to make them to stop them doing it. Oh dear. What can we say about that in modern terms? Do you think God often hmm. has to stop his people doing too much? I don't think so. I think it's often round the other way about, they're maybe not doing enough for him. But isn't it good when God says, look, you've done quite enough. You're bringing too much. And the people are restrained from bringing. But the Lord didn't have to force them. And that's the keynote all the way through for service for him. You see, God is never going to force anybody to do anything for him. It wouldn't have been any value to him. Forced labour, useless to to the Lord. But isn't it grand when he looks at you and me and we want to serve him? It's our greatest desire to do something for him. Well, is that a sacrifice that he's not well pleased with? Is that a sacrifice that he'll not accept? Of course he will. And the New Testament makes it very clear that all such offerings, and even when we give ourselves, we present our bodies, says Romans, a sacrifice that's works to him, but he'll never force us so to do. And so if anybody waits for the Lord to, to push them, make them. You see, we can so stress the sovereignty of God, and some Christians do, that they're just waiting for God to give them a good push. He doesn't work like that. So, we find that the people, the redeemed people of Israel, are willing, and they give the Lord their very best, so much so that the Lord has to restrain them from giving. Uh, then notice, this, that this tabernacle, all I've got time is to point this out now, was right in the center of Israel's camp. The tribes were grouped around it in a circle. And the tabernacle, the symbol of God's dwelling, the symbol of His presence was there in the center. Well, friends, that's a fine lesson, isn't it? That tabernacle spoke of Christ. And that's where God wills He should be to every one of us. Right in the center of our lives. These are very simple lessons to begin with, but they're very fundamental, aren't they? Why is it do you think that perhaps some Christians don't get hold of the fullness of truth? I think possibly it's because they're not putting Christ in his right place. He hasn't become quite all in me He's not right in the centre. It's Christ plus something else all the time. But until we can drop all the additions and say, now putting it in the terms of the apostle, for me to live, Christ. There's no is in the original. That's what Greece is. For me to live, Christ. Nothing else. Now, that's Christ in the centre. That's what the tabernacle in the centre stands for. Well, if that's true of us, if we can say yes, that's where I wish, that's where I try to put my Saviour. Well, that's the right thing. That's the starting place, so that we may ask him uh, to give us a revelation of his grace and his goodness, what he's done for us, where he intends to put us in that great plan, and then what our response can be. What a response there ought to be it should be like we've just seen Israel about it. Not really just giving, but giving everything, handing it back to him, remembering all the time, of course, that redemption means that. We belong to him. We are not our own. We are not for the price.